welcome to Straight Pathing, a podcast where we talk all about straight culture through a queer lens. If you're tired of not knowing what your straight friends are talking about, worry no more. Tune in every Friday for a full analysis of whatever is most popular in the straight world right now. Hey guys, what's up? I cannot believe I'm finally getting around to starting a podcast. I've wanted to do this for years, ever since I started making YouTube videos, and then I would love doing them, everything would be great, and then I'd have to actually get ready and put on makeup in order to film a video, and that would be the worst part. So, starting a podcast going to be great for me. If you guys haven't already guessed from the title, I decided to make this podcast to talk about straight media from the perspective of a gay person, myself. I'm very immersed in queer culture on the internet, but when I jump back into real life, like 92% of my friends are straight. Because of that, I watch more than my fair share of straight TV shows and movies as well, which puts me in the perfect place to talk about all of these shows to you guys, even if they're not my favorite shows to watch. When me and my gay friends would talk about these straight shows, I'd realize that we have such different perspectives on straight relationships than the heads do. They just don't get it in the same way we do, and so it makes a lot of their podcasts and media and things kind of confusing and unrelatable. And so, boom, this podcast is born. A place for all the gays who watch straight shows to come and talk about those straight shows in a safe space. Fortunately for all of us, the pinnacle of straight culture is kicking off yet another season. That's right, The Bachelorette premiered this Tuesday. In light of that, and the fact that I'm already low-key obsessed with The Bachelorette, I decided to start with this podcast by using my first however many episodes of The Bachelorette recap pod. If you're not into that, I promise we'll do something else later, so still follow this podcast, stay tuned, but I have so many fun ideas to talk about, and I'm really hoping Michelle finds love, and so we're gonna go on that journey together. With that, let's dive straight into the first episode. We start with the coming up scenes, and I'm already so stressed about my bracket. I do one every single year with my family and some friends, and like, not gonna lie, first night always bad for me this night, and looks like it's about to go. Pretty similarly, because I don't see many of the guys that I talk to the next round. Not great. The cute stuff is cute, though. We love people happy. Michelle is gorgeous. Otherwise, we get to the drama stuff. And let me just tell you, I'm already so freaking done with the, are they fake? Are they here for the right reasons? Narrative. This is a reality TV show. Everybody there, because at the very least, they would be happy about getting famous. Most people are probably there because they want to be famous actively. Us doing all these narratives, I am bored. I am done. I want it to be over. Our first scene of the actual show is a teaching scene. We see Michelle teaching her fifth grade class, and honestly, I thought her kids were a lot younger. Like, these kids are old. These kids will be watching her on television, and that is not my favorite thing in the whole world. Next, we go to some background on Michelle, besides just the fact that she has a job, even though literally all the men are absolutely obsessed with her job. So I hope for Michelle's sake that she's also obsessed with her job, otherwise there's going to be a lot of awkward conversations that she can't have on television. Michelle's from Minnesota, 
turned out she's also a fishing boy. Add that to the Tinder profile, girl. Maybe then you find a boy. We get 200 B-roll photos of her playing basketball because she's an athlete. We get it. She's probably one of our first athletic bachelorettes, at least in a while, though. So, you know, I'll take it. I love basketball. I'm a basketball player. We love an athlete. We go to the barbecue because that's classic straight culture. Guy at the grill, mom and daughter at the table waiting on him. And I love it. We love a good stable family from our bachelorettes. I think it makes the show better because then the show's not trying to find the hidden trauma of the unhealthy relationship the entire season. So we'll take it. We love it. Her parents seem sweet. Now is the time to introduce the men. This is always honestly my least favorite part of the season because I feel like we learn so much information about people, but there's so many people and I don't know which ones are actually going to be relevant, so I pay zero attention to anything whatsoever. And then as the season goes on, I don't even know anyone's careers. And yeah, it kind of sucks, but because I'm doing this podcast, I wrote everything down. So maybe this year we'll be able to go back and look, you know, there's benefits to being a recapper podcast. We start off with Chris. He's 28 and from New Orleans, but is currently living in California, which he makes incredibly obvious by the lovely statement, I'm a California Cajun man. Um, no. I hate it. I hate it. I love admitting to getting your eyebrows done. But we go right back to hate with the mama's boy situation. Like, I'm glad that you love your family. I love that you're supportive of your family. But if your mother is your primary audition tape in this show, no. No, 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 no. We have Joe Coleman, 28, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is also where Michelle's from. So that's great. He's also biracial, plays basketball in his tapes, and cute, which means he's probably going to get to, like, final eight and get friend-zoned. As per usual, when they put someone on the show who's the exact same as The Bachelorette. Next, Clayton. I missed how old he was. He's from Missouri. He's a football player. His mom is a teacher. And his name is, like, two letters away from Colton Underwood, which feels weird. Like, we already had one stalker abusive football player eh. at this point in the show i'm not into it but my opinions will change later so <laughs> stay tuned also minor spoiler so skip 15 seconds if you don't want to hear it there are rumors that he is our next bachelor next up brandon J. he's from oregon we got more basketball some horrible turtleneck sweaters he has huge fuckboy energy, like, he is going to hit you in your face with that giant cross necklace and not even feel bad about it, <laughs> like, that's how I'm feeling. Nothing gonna change my opinion on that. Nate. Nate is tall. Nate is from Manitoba, living in Texas, which is the very start of seemingly a lot of Texas men. He loved the road trip. He has a freaking cute dog. His mom's also a teacher. We love keeping it in the family. We have Chris. He's a Canada white boy. This is another Chris, so I should have written down the last initial, but did I? No. He decides to iron, which we love that he's taking care of the fit. Seems boring. But yeah, that's all I gotta say. Then we have Spencer. Spencer's great. I know no information about him. That's all I wrote. And Ryan. 
my boy Ryan from San Jose but lives on a farm and my first impression of him was that he looks like the main character guy from 365 Days crossed with Astro Boy but like in a bad way for Astro Boy and so he's still cute but in a confusing way. Keisha and Caitlin go into his room and they find that he's printed out entire folders of research. What producer set this poor boy up? If any of you have watched a single season of The Bachelorette before, you know that The Bachelor producers are obsessed with basically creating these plot lines. I'm a little confused how literally episode one of the season they were bored enough to create such a contrived plot line. But honestly, whatever, I'm glad that we don't have to wait until like episode five to find out that this boy who seems sweet is an asshole. That's a win. The downside is that this boy was definitely either forced to print out his notes by producer or the producer saw his notes with an evil bachelor folder and pitchfork rose and told Caitlin and Tisha to go through his things. I strongly feel like it's the former who needs printed out notes, like bruh, just read them before you go in. If you can't remember to be a good person, being Jason is not gonna solve that for you, especially, 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 if his argument is true and he's never even watched The Bachelor before. Like, bro, what? It makes no sense to me. However, Jason Tardick honestly is who you should aspire to be if you're trying to be on The Bachelor because he's really sweet, he got good airtime, made it on Paradise, and is now dating Caitlin Bristow? Like, talk about winning. First things first. It's first night, baby. Michelle shows up. She clearly had a higher budget than KDC than did. We are not complaining, though, because Katie was a... Uh, I love her. I love her internet presence. I love it. But her on The Bachelorette, I just don't know if she was cut out for that glam. Michelle 100% is. And so we're starting off this season on a high note. And here come the boys. First we have Nate, who I talked about earlier and was cute. And now we find out that he is tall, tall. His pun was bad, but he's cute. I like him, and I'm definitely going to keep liking him later, so I'm very excited about that. Romeo was 32 from New York City, and he came out speaking in French, which is uh, so cringy. I cannot deal. Jack, 30 from Pennsylvania, formerly in the military. We don't love the military, but if he was going to be military... Why do you gotta be so skinny? Like, not a fan. Pass on Jack. Clayton, 28. We've already met him. But now we find out he's kinky? This man brought a yardstick and made himself get spanked on national TV by the woman he just met and then proceeded to go, Michelle let me off easy and sound disappointed. Like, was I a fan of him? No. Was that a little hot? The one thing about this is that this was more authentic sex positivity than anything they gave us on Katie season. They took Katie's sex positive brand 
it made it so cliche that it wasn't even real. It wasn't even sex positive anymore. It was, it was something. But this, this is real sex positivity. So we love to see it. Next, Jamie, 32, San Diego. He's a biotech CEO. So he's either super rich or super poor. And his energy was that I'm either going to love him or hate him in one week. Malik, he seems sweet. Miss all the other information. Alec, 29, from South Carolina. I don't know if it started raining or if he's drenched in sweat, but something's happening. Will, 28, Missouri. He speaks Spanish, which is somehow better than French, but still a little tryhard. Pardeep, 30, from New York. Fine. Olu is the first dark-skinned man that has come into limo so far, and we are already probably about halfway through our lineup. I don't love that for The Bachelor. I understand that they're trying to have more diversity and to start making this show not just the horrible whitewashiness that it had been before. However, diversity is not just casting people of color, it's casting a variety of people of color. For example, we have one Indian man. Many seasons we have zero Indian people. We have, I think, one East Asian person on this show, maybe, if that, on this season. And now we have one dark-skinned man. And I think one other comes in later. I would love to see more diversity in skin tones and casting along with just casting more people of color. We have space to start casting more people, and we have to do that. Olu was cute, though. He had moves. It went well, I think. School bus boy Chris S. rolls up, and he has bad energy. You know the boys who would peak in high school and then have a second peak when they hazed children at their frat party and roofie girls? That is Chris S. The energy is horrendous. The energy is bad. I don't like it. I want him gone. Then there's Garrett and a cane. I'm sorry for him. If he really did just break his leg, I was confused whether or not it was like chronic or if he really did break his leg like two minutes ago. Casey, 36. The hang games were weird. Brandon K, 29, Texas. He was immature as Fuck, literally my notes right now just say, OMG, what the hell, in all caps. Because what? Michelle is too mature for any boys games. LT, 38, he's so old and not wearing any pants. What is it with the Bachelor Nation men who are over the age of 35 coming in naked? I don't love it. Then we have Rick, 32, California, in a plate. This boy comes in with his head on a platter. I appreciate the pitch. I think it was funny, but I think we can all agree right now that he's not going to be here for the right reasons. He's giving sus vibes. I'm not a fan. Next, we have Ice Cream Truck Boy Ryan, 30, from California. Apparently, we're not going to tell Michelle. So we know that there's going to be a fun arc with that in a bit, which I'm not happy about but alas what can you do because the bachelor loves to give drama where drama slot needed rodney 29 from california she asked him what apple he was and he said granny smith a granny smith is green he is red 
This made me so angry. So angry. And I was so happy when she called her out on that because I was like, bruh. Bruh, what the fuck? Granny Smith are green. Granny Smith are bitter. Who are you trying to be? But he seemed sweet. He did. I'm sure he'll grow on me. Peter, 26, from Florida. He really reminds me of Brian from Rachel Lindsay season because he had that whole Miami, Florida energy going to him. Which could be good or could be bad. We'll have to wait and see. We have small fire truck boy who apparently doesn't know how to speak words because he had none. And big fire truck boy who um, is compensating. But, you know. Brandon J, 36. He came in on a bed. And I'm shocked that Michelle sat on the bed with him. He had smarmy energy. Brandon J, the same person I said earlier, had smarmy energy with his turtlenecks and that necklace. And so the bed thing did not help the situation. Glad I read him correctly. He is bad. If you want someone that's going to fuck Michelle over, I'd cheer for Brandon J. Then Edward comes in, he's 27. Leroy, he's also 27. Martin, he's 29. All these people went by too quick for me to say anything about. We have Joe, 28, from Minnesota, and she literally knows who he is. She has DM'd him, she has spoken to him, he ghosted her. I think the whole thing is a plea for fame. But will Michelle see that? Honestly, like right now, it's not looking like it. So. We shall see. We'll get more to that on later because I do think they had a really good conversation. So I want to talk about that in detail when it happens. Now it is time to go inside the Bachelor Mansion, which is when we actually get to start talking to people and start seeing either A, who's going to be important for the rest of our season, or B, who's going to cause drama on night one and have to go home. The first guy she talks to, I miss his name, but he seemed sweet. They had a decent combo. It was fine. Whatever. The second boy was... Italian and he set up food and fed it to her. Let me just say, as someone with Italian family, Italian people are a vibe when they feel this strongly about their Italianism. And if I were Michelle, I'd run. Especially because he's feeding her the cannoli and then he just like eats his own. She doesn't feed him it back. Is this a straight person thing to have one way food feeding? Uh, it was it was weird. I didn't like it. It was bad. Joe, as we know, Joe who Michelle knows, Joe who knows, is talking with some of the guys, and they say that he had a leg up from being from the same area, and he replies that that's his only leg up. Now, if there's one thing we know about being on The Bachelor, it's that whenever you lie, even if it's a little white lie like this, it's going to make the boys turn on you. They're going to find out. So that was weird. However, I didn't have enough time to fully hate it because we segue directly into a discussion between him and Michelle. And boy, are there thoughts to be had on this. To be honest, because of what he said, most of my thoughts are not super valid slash not super important on the subject because I am very white. So if you're looking for more in-depth thoughts, there are other podcasts out there led by black women who I'm sure could talk about it better. They're the Blatchlorettes podcast and there's also an unrelated I think Blacklorettes 
on Instagram, and both of them do a really good job of talking about these things. I haven't actually heard what they have to say yet because I'm recording this the night of the episode coming out, and so they haven't released anything yet, but I'm sure they have by the time this episode comes out, so I would direct you over there for that. However, I will still give my opinion. Number one, ghosting is bad. And he had to have known that he was auditioning for this show for at least a few months. And so if you see Michelle on The Bachelor and you know that she is going to be The Bachelorette, why would you have ghosted? And if you had ghosted, why hadn't you reached back out? The whole thing feels very weird. I don't love the ghosting. And I also don't love the fact that he wasn't going to bring it up. Something about the whole situation fully rubs me the wrong way, and I'm worried for Michelle. However, he did say that part of the reason that he ghosted was because he was going through a lot of traumatic experiences at the time related to the killing of George Floyd and the killing of many, many other Black men in America that was resurfacing at the same time. I will say this is a very valid reason to ghost someone. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to go through that as a Black person, especially the Black person living so close by to George Floyd. So I'm hoping that what he said was in good faith and that he will be a good person. He also mentioned in passing that he had been to therapy since then. There's a huge stigma in our culture about men in general going to therapy and about Black people in general in Black culture going to therapy. For him, as a Black man, to speak up and say that he was in therapy is very brave and is something that should be commended and pointed out because we should have more people feeling comfortable with going to therapy when they need it. So I think this was a really huge step. I'd also like to direct you guys if you either are surprised by the statement I just made or if you want to help move us in a direction of better therapy for all to direct you to the Loveland Foundation because they do a lot of work with getting therapists for Black people in need of therapy who cannot afford it or have too much stigma around it. And so definitely, if you're looking for somewhere to donate this month, I would advocate Loveland Foundation. Segwaying back into the show, I'm glad that Michelle didn't make a decision right now and just said that she would wait until the rose ceremony to find out. I think that was really mature and gave her enough time to process the situation. But then Joe speaks and they give him the villain music. This made me genuinely irate. I cannot decide whether or not I believe Joe. However, what he said was really deep, and the way they edited it implied that they understood the importance of what he was saying in that conversation. So why, immediately afterwards, do they play the villain music over his confessional and make him seem like the bad guy? I think that's incredibly shitty, and really, is just pointing out the subtle, not so subtle, racism of the Bachelor franchise. So that was tough. After that, we take a commercial break and come back to Table Boy Rick. I hate that he's still on the table. I'm glad he fully committed to it, but their conversation is awkward. Their conversation is not good. Michelle seems confused. Once he gets out of the table, I like it even less. He is so intense so 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 intense and just staring at her with such intensity 
I'm freaked out. I have red flag vibes. Then there's Apple Boy. She corrects him on his incorrect appleage, and he seems really sweet, honestly. Growing on me already, despite the Granny Smith debacle. Now we go to Ryan, the villain, the person with the folder, the bad guy, the one we're all supposed to hate, if only for this episode. They show him in his confessional saying the quote, It's not planned spontaneous, but it's definitely spontaneously planned. Which is absolutely hilarious. Too funny. I cannot get over the fact that they convinced him to say shit about planning when they got the folder with him literally planning everything. Michelle likes him because it's cute, because the date is cute, because he says everything right. And why does he say everything right? Because he plans everything. This is annoying. Everyone comes into The Bachelor with a plan. The show is a game. It feels like they're trying to cover their ass in future comments and things, but it's bad. Whatever. Moving on. Polaroid boy. Adorable. We love that shit. Polaroids are adorable. I have a whole wall of Polaroids in my house. It is only at this point which Tasha and Caitlin are allowed to go up to Michelle and tell her about the folder that they found in Ice Cream Boy Ryan's room. That's just a waste of time. It's a waste of time on the first night. We all know that first nights normally go into the next day, and so I don't understand why they had to do this tonight. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But at least the staircase is pretty. That's a big win. All the boys, when we come back from the commercial break, are wildly confused. They can't tell if Michelle is upset. They don't know what's happening. They're worried the night will be ruined. Like, yes, babe. The night will be ruined. That's the whole point of the show. We live for the drama. The drama is what the producers want us to see. Is it what the audience wants? Frankly, I don't think so, but you win some, you lose some on that front. Michelle goes through his folder and talks to Ryan, and Ryan has so many different stories, he cannot keep his story straight. My wife made it for me. A couple girlfriends made it for me. I I did some research because I don't watch Thatcher. Bruh. Pick stories sticks the story. It literally doesn't matter what the story is. You're going home anyways, but at least then you have plausible deniability to the media and every single Bachelor Nation psychopath who is going to try and ruin your life when you come out of the show. He choked. He's panicked. He's freaking out. And he's going home. This is where we see that Michelle is going to be a tough, badass woman. He tries to fight, he tries to convince her, and she sticks to her guns. She doesn't even give him a chance to argue about anything, and she sends him packing. We love that. We're glad this storyline is over. Yo, Michelle goes back to tell the rest of the boys what happens, and this is when I see Nate and write in my notes, Ooh, that boy, tall, tall, quickly followed by Nate. I'm in love. He seems sweet, sweet. <laughs> So, if you want to know who my early favorite is, it's Nate. He's 6'8 and a cutie. Even I can admit to that. We see a couple other guys, like Bleached Hair Guy, Rick, people who I know are not going to get this rose who all think they do. And then we go to hand out the rose. The first impression rose, for those of you guys who don't watch The Bachelor, is handed out on the very first night. And the Bachelorette is supposed to give it to whoever makes the best first impression. We all know this was Nate because he tall, tall, and sweet, sweet. 
so <laughs> he gets it and we can move on i'm skipping straight to the rose ceremony here because everything that happened in between was kind of shit i always feel really bad for the boys on their first night because if you get sent home on the very first night of rose ceremony that means you put your entire life on hold for three months for nothing you're not getting fame. You're not going to get to be on Paradise unless you're a grocery store Joe. And it's kind of embarrassing. Like, everyone's going to tune in to watch you and they're going to see that you weren't cute enough or funny enough or nice enough to stay. Like, it's tough. It's a tough look. I feel bad. Everyone is so nervous. I just want Joe to go home. He won't. The list of boys who get roses for this episode is as follows. Jamie, Leroy, Martin, Spencer, Rick, Clayton, Peter, Malik, Romeo, Daniel, Brandon J, Will, Chris S, Rodney, Alec, Pardeep, Christopher G, Casey, Olamide, LT, and unfortunately, Joe. There was some drama in there. None of us ever interesting. Rose ceremony drama is the worst type of drama because we know when there's drama, it's only because the producer they're making Michelle keep someone that she doesn't want to keep or send someone home that she doesn't want to send home. So we skip that drama. It's bullshit. Finally, to close out, we see the coming ups. And the coming ups, honestly, it looks pretty good. There's more positive than negative. I'm inclined to hope that it's going to be a good season. For those of you who are doing your own brackets, I made a list of all the guys that I saw in this episode coming up that I feel like you should probably keep in your bracket. But what do I know? I don't watch spoilers. We have Peter, Daniel, PJ, Appleboy, Clayton, Bleached Hairboy, Olu, Brandon J, and not Derek, who is what I'm currently calling Rick, because Rick looks like a mix of John Kavinsky and Derek Path from previous seasons. And yeah, that's the episode. Overall, I honestly have a really good feeling about this season. I think Michelle is a really good, really composed bachelorette. She knows what she is doing. She is old enough where her decisions are mature. She carries herself so well. And then she's young enough that all these guys should want to fall in love with her. Everyone would be so happy to be with Michelle forever. At least betraying my own personal crush. I think it's a really good sign that producers were willing to air conversations on Black Lives Matter and therapy and real issues so early because hopefully that sets a precedent for doing it in a much deeper more meaningful way as the season goes on, especially as a Black woman. I know difficult conversations like that can be traumatizing. However, I want to make sure that if she is having those conversations, that they are being aired. I think the burden here is not on Michelle. She should carry herself how she wants, have the conversations she wants. But I think when she is having conversations that reflect on our country and can make some people at home think, they should be aired. I'm personally really excited for Michelle. My front runner so far is obviously Nate, but I also have a good feeling about Apple Boy. So yeah, that's episode one. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. You can find my writing at medium.com slash at Isabel Who or on Twitter at Isabel Who with three O's. See you next Friday. In the meantime, stay gay. <laughs>